Okay, real quick, set the clock. Here are some interesting facts about Russ Ward. He's been to Las Vegas 52 times. He sold millions in bootleg DVDs. What the hell? Wait, what? He's been sued by the NFL. And now he owns a multi-six-figure digital marketing business. And now, he wants to talk. This is The Real, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. From Tampa, Florida, this is Russ Ward. Welcome to The Real. My name is Russ Ward. I'll be your host. And today, I have an interview with a man who is one of the most successful people I've ever met. He is a seven-time published author. He's working on his eighth book. If you go to his website, it will tell you he is a social media trainer, a personal advisor, a speaker, and a tech advisor. But this man is so much more than that. He has a personal story of redemption that will literally blow your mind. And if you think you're going through something tough, his story will motivate you to keep on going. I promise you of that. My guest today is Ken Walls, and I would just love to give a big welcome to you and a big thanks for joining us today on Real Talk with Russ Ward. Welcome, Ken. Thank you. I'm honored to be here, man. I That that, that guy you just described, I can't wait to meet him. Who is that? <laughs> That's pretty funny. But uh, Ken, you and I, we, we met shoot several years ago when I was first coming up in the marketing business, and I was yeah. probably posting in some groups, just trying to get a little traction, and, and you and I kind of connected, and we kind of started a little bit of a friendship a long time ago. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I you know, I think if memory serves me right, it was way back in 2014, maybe back in the Grant Cardone live streaming days. I think we were both audience members of his at some point, I believe. I, I don't remember exactly, but well, yeah, it goes yeah. back a ways. I, I do believe that we, we were probably one of the entry level people into Grant Cardone because I've been following Grant Cardone as, as long as I can remember. Going all the way back to that interview you did with me, that was kind of like the starting point of where I am now and, and what I'm doing with this podcast and, and the speaking that I'm doing and the coaching that I'm doing is I was in a terribly, terribly tough spot. And I explained it to you. You actually kind of helped me through it a little bit. You talked to me a few times. You coached me through it. And then finally, when it, when I was a little bit more on the upswing, you interviewed me to kind of just get the story out there. And it, and it was, I mean, it was helpful to a lot of people. I remember you got some good feedback of people saying, wow, that guy can do it. I can do it too. Do you remember that interview? And, and what do you what do you think of that and the transformation you've seen since then? So I remember interviewing you. I don't remember the details. What's crazy, Russ, is I had John Lee Dumas on my show and who has entrepreneurs on fire. He's always in the top five podcasts in the world. And John asked me when I interviewed him, how many of these have you done? And I said, dude, you're like number 320, I think. And he's like, that puts you in the top 1% of all podcasts in the world. Do you realize that? <laughs> I'm like, no. What? And so now I've done four, I'm coming up on 500 episodes on, on my podcast and show. And so remembering details is something I, I oftentimes think, man, why don't I remember the details of some of these, these interviews? Cause I've interviewed some amazing people and you're one of them. I remember though, that you had been through a lot of struggles and that you were coming up, man. And, and you keep coming up that I, I see you We're in a couple of private Facebook groups together and I see you, I see some of your comments in those groups and I see how much, number one, you've grown. And number two, I see how smart you are. And I think, man, I hope I can get there someday, like to that <laughs> level of understanding some of the softwares that we both use. It's crazy. So yeah, man, you've come a long way, dude. Appreciate that. I, I really appreciate those kind words coming from you. Can you tell the, the audience just a little bit about your story? I mean, I know you, you were born a poor black boy back a long time ago. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that what you were just telling me? You, you actually said that joke on stage. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 from the movie The Jerk with Steve Martin. It starts out with him literally laying in bed, and he he's his just his white feet hanging off the end, and he says, "I was born a poor black child," and he wasn't. But anyway, no, I was look, man, I was born in Northwest Ohio, and to a a, a situation that was you know whatever it was what it is what it is but it was um filled with a lot of alcohol and drugs and uh, and a lot of physical and mental and spiritual abuse you know eventually fast forward through a crazy childhood of being arrested the first time at 12 years old and being a raging full-blown alcoholic by the time i was probably 15 or 16 years old you know i um i had a crazy life man and i ended up walking out of high school in 12th grade, never looking back, never getting a high school diploma, never got a GED because I kind of felt like that was an admission of failure or something. I, I don't know. And never went to college and decided early on in career um, or my life rather that, you know, if I was going to make it, I was going to have to get into sales. So I got into sales eventually by the age of 21, 22 years old and realized I had no idea what I was doing and quickly learned that I needed to to do some self-educating. And, and I did. I studied Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins, all the greats, Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield and, you know, all the the amazing people that were putting out incredible content back then. And, you know, it's just been a slow process and still looking for that break, man. I'm, uh, you know, I remember, I remember... I remember having Grant Cardone on on a live stream one time. I've been I've done several live streams with Grant, and he's like, "Man, I, th- I think if I just keep working one of these days, I'm gonna get a break." <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, you're worth like a hundred million dollars. What do you mean you you hope you get?" That was back then. He's a billionaire now. But you know, I I just um, I keep hustling and grinding, man. I keep constantly learning new things. And I think that's so important, man, is to to just constantly learn constantly. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, that was the biggest thing coming. I mean, I, I started out in marketing with just one little course on how to generate real estate leads. And I, I just kept on learning and learning and learning and yeah. involved all kinds of stuff just like you have. And along the way, I've, you know, dabbled into software and lead generation. And, and you know, I still do sales, obviously, for my business as well. I think that's one of the best things you can do for yourself is learn to sell. But I think you're being a, I think you're being a bit humble, Ken. Can you tell us a little bit more? Like, I, I know you've gone through some, some difficulties. Like you said, you were an alcoholic. And, and, you know, I I think you recently had a big milestone of being sober, right? I did. By the time I was 34, I had built a multi-million dollar company doing over $8 million a year. And um, I ended up drinking that all away. Every last bit of it became homeless living in my car in in Seattle, Washington. Um, And having lived all over the United States at various points in my, my journey, I'm at 34 years old. I finally got sober and I just recently on August the 10th, so today's the 17th, so one week ago today, I celebrated 20 years of sobriety, which is just mind boggling to me. Wow. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you, Um, man. Thank you. I've had alcoholism in my family and and I currently have a a family member that is 
like just over a year sober. Mm, yeah. It's a really, really big deal for her. And, and I keep trying yeah. to like tell her, man, this is huge. You know, this is, I know it's only one year in your head, but it's a big deal. And and so I, I know firsthand from, from having family members go through alcoholism that it's, it's a really tough journey. And so congratulations on the 20 years, man. Thank you, dude. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it, it's like everything else I do in life now, mm-hmm. man. I take everything one day at a time. Um, I still have bad moments. I have bad days. I project the worst sometimes. I, I think, you know, oh God, it's all coming to an end. The world is crashing down on me and all that bull crap. And, you know, I just step back and and think, how important is this going to be 100 years from now or 200 years from now? Is it really going to matter? What is going to matter 200 years from now? What actions can I take today that can actually make a difference and maybe even be remembered in a positive light 200 years from now? And so worry about crap I have no control over or projecting the worst, that's getting better for me. It's not perfect, but it's getting better for me. Right. Yep. So when you when you went through these difficult times, like you you said you went homeless, you drank all your money away. Like, what did you do in these moments? Because I mean, obviously you've made multiple comebacks in life. Like, what were you were you emotional wreck? Did you did you do crazy <laughs> stuff, or, or did you did you always go into like strategize plan? Did you always have that aspect of your brain that would kind of kick into survival mode and, and put you in the right position, or what did you do? I definitely didn't strategize. The back when I was drinking, man, my only strategy was how do I get another drink to Today. And, you know, like I honestly, I didn't, I had no, no plan. I had always been since I'm 54. When I was 11 years old, I got my very first computer, a Commodore 64C. And I remember I bought a book because the internet didn't exist, at least not the way we we know it today. And I bought a I bought a book on, and taught myself basic computer language. It's it's a computer language called basic. And it would take three days of writing code to get a little ball to blip around on the, uh, this this black screen. And, <laughs> and it was crazy. And you, you backed up your your code to a cassette tape. I had a cassette tape recorder and you backed it up to a cassette tape. So I've always been like really not a geek. I, I kind of a geek a little bit, but you know, back then though, there was nothing to really geek out on. Then, you know, come along, you know, years, several years later was the internet started happening and you had AOL and some of the other things that were out there. And I just, I've always been mesmerized by the way computers and internet and marketing. I had a direct TV. I was direct TV's largest dealer in the United States at one point, And I had a a website for my DirecTV business before DirecTV had a website. Wow, that's I crazy. I built it myself, right? Right. And, in 1994. And I, I remember I started getting phone calls with people needing parts to their DirecTV systems. And I was like, holy crap, they found that my website? How'd they find my website? That's crazy. <laughs> and, you know, but like, I remember thinking way back then in 1994, when I built my very first website, I remember thinking, man, Man, this is going somewhere. And I can remember people like Bill Gates saying, oh, the internet's a, a, a fad. It's never going to be anything, I, which is very short-sighted for somebody like that. But anyway, and I got into it when I got sober, I kind of got pushed into doing what I do in 2002 because I was homeless again. My ex had thrown me out, lost my business, both Mercedes, lost everything. And my sponsor and Alcoholics Anonymous let 
me live with him. And I ended up building a website, helping his wife with this website. She was being held hostage by these other web developers. And so I helped her and she paid me. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and, you know, like I, I just got paid to do what I love doing. And, and you know, and and since then, it's, I mean, I've worked on Grant Cardone's website. I've, I've done so many of these things that it's second nature to me now. So, but yeah, I, I I don't know. Did I answer your question? I'm sorry. You kind of did. Like I, I asked you like specifically, like what, what went through your mind when you, when you lost all this stuff and you went homeless? Like what I'm, what I'm really yeah. looking for here, Ken, is like, I, I love the story. I love the, the path and I love yeah. the, the great yeah. ending. But what I'm looking for here is like, what was your mindset? Like, you know, is this ever going to get better? And, and how did you get yourself off from that low place through all the, the BS you were going through to, you know, the next step? Dude, my mindset sucked. I, it was terrible. I, I always felt like the world was crashing down in on me and that it was never going to get better. I always felt like that. And there were some little tiny glimmers of hope. I remember reading Chicken Soup for the Soul book. And I remember reading Mark Victor Hansen's book called The Aladdin Factor. I remember these little tiny things out of these books. And through it all, something in those books would just, or Brian Tracy, you know, I was a high school dropout. I always felt like a piece of crap over that. I always felt like, you know, all my friends went to college and and now I make way more money than them. I'm, <laughs> I, I shouldn't say it like that, but but, <laughs> but, I, but I don't mean it like that. It's not, I'm not dissing on any friends or college, but, but you know, I just held on. To, I don't even know where the hope came from, man. I'll say maybe it was God. I don't know, man. I had this tiny, there were sometimes, dude, it was like the last tiny little burning ember at the bottom of the fire pit, but it was still there and I knew it was there. I I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I almost died from drinking, crashing motorcycles and cars and just insane stuff that I went through. So my mindset was not good. It was not good at all. Right. And then, but I mean, so you, you would read these books or find a little motivation and that would just be enough to propel you to give it another try, give it another try, right? I had made so many mistakes. I had screwed up so many times that I got to a point where I thought I've I've made too many mistakes. There's no coming back from this. No coming back from it. And I would sit in these meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous and I would see people talking that I knew they drove to that meeting in a Rolls Royce or I knew that they showed up to that meeting in a nice BMW or something really nice and I had to catch a ride with somebody because I had no car, right? <laughs> so I remember sitting there thinking, man, if these people knew the shit, pardon my language, if they knew the stuff that I had done, they would not have, they'd throw me out of here on my head. And then I'd listen and I was like, oh, that's bad what they did. I never did that. That's really bad. Like <laughs> what? And they're, you know, so it was by hearing other people's stories that I realized that, you know, yes, I've made mistakes, but I'm not as bad as some right. and I'm not as good as others. And so I just, I thought, okay, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I'm going to keep doing everything that I can every single day to be the best version of me that I can be. And I, I would say this prayer in the morning and I would say, God, please give me the opportunity to help someone else today. If that opportunity isn't there, then at least make sure I don't hurt anyone else today. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it was literally right. that <laughs> fundamental, man. I was like, I got it. And then, you know, after some time, dude, I, I um, after meeting Grant Cardone, 
phone and he gave me three hours of coaching. I sat in his office and and he blew my world apart. And I realized that, man, there is hope for me. And there is so much more available for me than I've ever given myself the ability to realize. And that's when things really started to turn around. And and I remember Grant saying, you got to write a book. You got to write a book. And, uh, <laughs> I'm like, about what? And, you know, and, and so eventually I wrote my first book. And I, dude, I had a teacher in high school tell me that I, an, an English teacher, you're never going to amount to anything. <laughs> well, I've written seven books, writing my eighth right now. Wow. And, and, and she's written zero. So don't base your success on someone else's bullcrap judgment because they're not judging you, they're judging themselves. Right. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. Something that did come to mind while you were saying, you know, you're talking about you went to these AA meetings and some of these guys showed up in Rolls Royce and you had to catch a ride. How do you end up from that moment to, Ken, I know you, you've you been in the room with and you will continue to be in the room with some of the most successful people in the world. Billionaires, man. People who have massive success and influence in this world. What type of path does it take to get from a room full of Alcoholics Anonymous with nothing to a room full of some of the most successful people in the world? Like, What, what did you do in between? Uh, it's actually a really simple answer. I've got to, I got to brag about something and this is a this is a shameless plug. Um, so I've become really good friends with Mark Victor Hansen, the number one best-selling author of all time. Like Chicken Soup for the Soul has sold over 500 million copies. The only book that sold more copies than Chicken Soup is the Bible, and that's 1.2 billion. And I remember when Mark Victor Hansen reached out to me and and said he wanted to be on my podcast. I was like, what? Wow. What? And it was like this thing like God just left me a voicemail because I didn't answer it. I didn't know the number. It was a Phoenix number. I'm like, I'm not answering that. Could be spam, scammer, whatever, you know? So I get, I have the voicemail. I'll never delete this voicemail. And it's, hey, Ken, Mark Victor Hansen here, blah, blah, blah. And I was given your number and told that I should be on your show. And I was like, this is not happening. And and so he was on my show and I really went out of my way because him and his wife, Crystal, had just released a new book called Ask the Bridge from your dreams to your destiny. And I was like, whatever I can do to help you guys promote this book and get it to wherever you want to get it, I will do. And I did, and I did, and I did, and I did. And I invested my own money helping them advertise their book through my shows. And it skyrocketed their book and everything that I was doing, I was just doing to help them, right? It was my only purpose was I just want to help them. The same thing I did for Grant Cardone, the same thing I've done for Brian Tracy, the same thing I've done for so many other people. And about a year ago, Mark reached out to me and he said, hey, remember that story about when I left you the voicemail and it freaked you out? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I want that to be part of my, he goes, Mitzi Perdue, who's also a friend of mine now, Mitzi Perdue is a billionaire. She is part of the Perdue chicken family. They do $6 billion in chicken a year. Mitzi is writing my biography is what he says. And I said, oh, cool. And he goes, I want you to have a chapter in this book. And I'm thinking he's getting ready to ask me to invest in his book. And no, I have a chapter in Mark Victor Hansen's book, Relentless. And it literally like here, this is the craziest part because I want to get back to your question in a second. If you go through all the chapters on here, you'll see that there is a chapter. I'm trying to line it up on screen. I don't know if you can see it or not, but there is a chapter in here that literally has my name. Chapter 27 says, There's only one other chapter in here with somebody else's name besides Mark, and that's Bob Proctor.
chapter. Wow. Out of all these chapters, my name is listed in there. <laughs> and I'm like, holy mother of God, how did that happen? How did the number one best-selling author of all time want me to have a chapter in his life story biography? How in the hell does that happen? And I'll tell you how it happens. First off, the law of attraction. It's real. Don't have to believe it. I don't care what anybody says. Call me hokey. Don't care. If you're calling me hokey about the law of attraction, I probably make a lot more money than you do. I'm just saying. So, but the other part is I give, man. I give and I give and I give and I give. When when people meet me, I, I get hit up. I'm sure like everybody, I get hit up 10 times a day on LinkedIn with people in their sales pitches. I don't even accept them anymore. I can't. I, it makes me crazy and I don't have the bandwidth. So instead of coming at me with a sales pit, research who I am, look at the books I've written, buy my book, promote my books out on social media and tag me, tag me in those, tag me on LinkedIn, tag me on Twitter, tag me on, on Facebook, tag me on, on Instagram and promote me. And then watch, you're going to get my attention eventually. That's how I got Grant Cardone's attention. That's how I got Mark Victor Hansen's attention. That's how I got, I mean, I've got Glenn Morshauer, one of the most famous character actors in the world is my best friend, my literal best friend. Like I could call Glenn right now and he would answer. And he's in movies and 260 TV shows and movies. He was just in the final season of Ozark. And anyway, so the way that you do it is you help other people and you help without expecting them to help you. And it's the craziest ass thing, man. Pardon my language again. I, I'm going off here, but if you help enough here, it's what Zig Ziglar says, right? Zig Ziglar has this little book. And my buddy, Kyle Wilson, who was Jim Rohn's business partner, is who created this for Zig Ziglar. It's called The Little Book of Big Quotes. When you open this up on the very front page, it says you can have everything in life you want if you will just help enough other people get what they want. Zig Ziglar. And I'm friends with all of uh, all of Zig's kids, by the way. Tom, Julie, and Cindy are all good friends of mine. I remember so, you told me that. Yeah, when, when we were having a podcast together, when you were interviewing me, you were telling me Zig's kids were going to be listening. And I thought that was really cool. It's amazing, dude. And it's only because I go out of my way to help other people reach the goals they want to reach. What can you do for Grant Cardone? What can I do for him? Somebody like that, right? Right. It's it's find out what he's trying to achieve and play a small part obsessively, like be obsessed with helping him achieve that. And if you do, it all unfolds for you, man. But people get too caught up and I got to pay the rent. I got to eat. I get that. I totally get that. But you can do that and help other people also at the same time. And the other thing you do too, is you don't just reach out and help super mega successful people. You came you came and helped a guy like me. I remember when I had just moved to Florida, I, I hit a little bit of a lull in my business and, and I just reached out to you and I said, Ken, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might go out of business. I might run out of money. And I was stressing out. I was freaking out. And I had quite honestly nothing to offer you at the time. All I could, right. all I could offer right. you was I could tag you in things if, if somebody needed your right. services. Right. And that wasn't really that big of a help. But you actually right. went out of your way and left me multiple voicemails. And I actually still have those saved just like you save voicemails. Because I thought if a guy is successful and as important as Ken Walls takes times out of his day to leave me a voicemail to encourage me, that's something that I want to save. So I just want to point out that you don't just do this to, to make connections with billionaires. You do this to legit help other humans. And I, and I know that about you because you've done it for me. I, um, about six months ago, it was maybe seven, eight months ago. I don't, it was cold here in Ohio. I told my 12 year old daughter, she was 11 at the time. I said, come to the store with 
made. Let's go for a ride. And she gets in my car and we're driving. I go, I want to run by the ATM and grab some cash. And I want to pull into a gas station and find somebody that looks like they need help. And ha- I want you to jump out and hand them $40 in cash to pay for their gas. And then we're going to drive away real fast. And she's <laughs> like, no, I don't want to do that. You do it. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I get, get, I get a hundred out. I pull into this gas station. It's all Mercedes and Aldi's and they all look, I'm like, nobody needs help in this gas station. I said, let's go to the rough side of town. So we drive <laughs> over to the other side of town and I pull in, I see this beat up Mustang. And, and I, I, I said, there, there's, there's who we're going to help, honey. And she goes, hurry. They look like they're leaving. I pull in and, and I pull up and I fling my door up, put the car in park, fling my door open. My daughter sitting in the passenger seat and she's like leaning up and looking over and I leave my door wide open. I said, Hey bro. And this guy is like standing there and I go, here, here's 40 bucks. I want to help you out. And, and gas is on me tonight. And, and he's like, really? And I, I go, yeah. And his girlfriend pops out of the other side of the car and she's like, why are you doing that? And, and I go, I'm just randomly helping strangers. I hope that it helps you. And he goes, did you see us or something pushing the car? And I go, what? He goes, we, we just pushed the car. We literally just stopped the car we pushed it from walmart way down the road i said no way and he goes literally we're sitting here trying to figure out what we're going to do to put gas in the car because we have no money and i said wow dude and i said hold on a minute i went back and i got the other 60 and i handed them the whole hundred i said just let me buy let me help you guys here and i got in my car didn't didn't introduce myself did not give them my name didn't none of that when we learn to help other people unselfishly I was trying to teach my little girl a very, very, very valuable lesson. I've been helped. People have helped me. And it's my duty and responsibility to give back. And when we can get the hell out of our own ego and out of our own way and help other people, God opens up the door and says, hey, here you go. Here's something kind of magical for you. I mean, (laughs) they had no money. They're sitting there trying to figure out how to put gas in their car. It's crazy. And, And I'm sure your daughter remembers that lesson. She'll remember that for the rest of her life now forever, forever something i did want to, to go over with you ken i i know you're a you're a man of faith you're you're a christian and you also brought up law of attraction and i know there's a lot of people that are that are christians and, and religious people that that think that that can't coexist can you can you tell how that does coexist from your point of view because i know you believe it can be mutually not just one or the other i you know dude i i don't argue politics religion or uh, there's a saying that a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. And, you know, I don't like, I don't try to convince anybody that they're wrong and I'm right. Here's the thing. I truly believe the law of attraction is constantly at work. And whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. I know so many Christians that, that think they are supposed to be broke. That's just the, that being rich is evil or it's bad or it can, the love of money is the root of all evil and blah, blah. And, and it's like, okay, look, live your life, however you're going to live it. I'm not going to try to change anybody. If they want to believe that it's not real, let them. That's all right. Just leaves more money for the rest of us. That I, And I'm being serious. Like, you know, first off, how are you going to help anybody if you're broke? Like, you got to get your mind right. No matter, you can't be a good Christian helping other people. Yes, you could be a good broke Christian sitting at home doing nothing and not sinning and, and singing hymns and praising God, but that's not making a difference in the world. 
world. Right. That's not making a difference in the world. Making a difference in the world is being able to help a stranger. Making a difference in the world is being able to donate to your church. Bring the whole Malachi 3. I have it laying right here on my desk somewhere. Here it is. It's really beat up, but this is a this is Malachi 3. Bring the whole tithe and offering into my storehouse and my children may have food. Test me in this way, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have enough room to store it all. Yeah. I will prevent the pest from devouring your fields and yada, yada, yada. But so how do you bring a bigger tithe and offering? You can't outgive God, okay? So the way I see it is the more that I give, the more I know, I don't expect it. I know it's coming back. I already know. Like, I'm not, like, I, I could give you $1,000 right now and it wouldn't wouldn't matter because I'm going to get it back tenfold somewhere else. Right. I, I mean, so so people that, that don't believe in the law of attraction, people that don't believe that or don't think that it should coexist, it already coexists. <laughs> you believing it's not, it shouldn't, it doesn't change the fact that it already exists. I have a, a show that I do every week on Sunday. Sunday evenings, look it up, Conversations with Bob. It's a new podcast and show with Steve Rizzo. Steve Rizzo is a is a very famous comedian. He worked with Rodney Dangerfield, Eddie Murphy, all, all these different people that you know. Jerry Seinfeld opened for Steve. Steve had his own special on Showtime. And so Steve Rizzo is a very, very good friend of mine. And him and I do a podcast every Sunday based on his book. His book is called Conversations with Bob. And the the book Bob is God that might offend some people and that's <laughs> all right because if you go to any like listen just so you know the King James version of the Bible was translated from Aramaic and the Aramaic God was not God the word God was not God. I mean these are all made up words so you call God Bob he's not going to get offended I promise you God doesn't have a fragile little human ego like we do right yeah he doesn't care but anyway I could go on on a whole another hour about that. But, you know, look, once we put down the stick of beating ourselves up, we're all walking around with this program running up here. This is a computer, right? We're all running around with this program running up here that somebody else gave us. Somebody else installed your operating system. Right. And there is a chance, however remote that it may be, there is a chance that your program that's installed and running your life could be flawed. It no, could be. You don't. You don't say. <laughs> it could be. It could be. And that's so. That's where you know. I, and mine might be. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll meet God and He'll go. You shouldn't have believed in the law of attraction. You're going to hell. I don't think that's going to happen. But maybe. <laughs> but maybe. Right. So again, uh, you've been so generous with your time today. I, I I so appreciate you, especially you know five years almost after you interviewed me. I I have the honor and pleasure of interviewing you in a place wow. of starting a new podcast and, you know, just being in a much better place in my life. So I just truly want to thank Congrats, you for your time bro. today. And Congrats. before we finish up, I, I did want to ask you, and I, and I think I'm going to yeah. do this on every episode is you went through a lot and we covered a lot of what you went through, but if there's somebody that's struggling right now, they're in that place where they, they want to give up. They're almost about to, they might even be considering taking their own life. I mean, what, what advice do you give somebody in the shit right now? They're almost giving up. What, what do you say to that person? First off, I've been there. I've sat with a low, loaded gun in my mouth more than once. I've been there. And 
All I can say is today I'm grateful that I didn't pull the trigger. Today I'm grateful that I'm here because when you're going through the shit, when you're going through it, when you're in it, sometimes it can feel like it's never going to end. Sometimes it can feel like I'm tired of going through the shit. I'm tired of vacillating in and out of the shit. And I've been there. Oh my God, I've been there so many times. All I can say is, you know, I I don't know, you know, it changes. It changes. Sometimes you got to hang on for one minute. Sometimes most, the most important thing is if you're going through the shit, the best thing you could do is go help somebody else. If you're thinking about taking your life, do it after you're done helping somebody else. Put it off until you go help somebody else. Maybe it's a neighbor that you could go help them pull some weeds out of their flower garden or their flower bed. Go do that first. Go help somebody else first. Because what happens happens is when we reach out and help another person. See, I've I've done that in my over my years of sobriety. Can I do we have time for me to tell one quick story? Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to to be, you know, respectful of your time. Dude, I I thought we were on for an hour, so I'm I'm good. I remember sitting in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and I had maybe 30 days sober and trust me at that point in my life, uh, number one I didn't want to be sober at all. Like that was not the plan. The plan was to quit drinking for a while and then eventually get back at it. But I'm sitting in this meeting and this old New Yorker, old, I'll never forget this guy, but because of it being an anonymous program, I won't disclose who it is, but this old guy from New York is up and he's telling his story and he says, you want to know the secret to happiness and long-term sobriety? Here it is. It's in the bottom of the coffee pot. I thought, what in the hell is he talking about? He said, when I first got sober, this guy had been so sober longer than God. I mean, he had like 40 years sober or something. It was crazy. And I was like, holy crap. But he says, when I first got sober, I showed up early. I made the coffee. I set up the chairs and the tables. At the end of the meetings, I stuck around. I didn't run off. I stuck around. I I shook hands. I put the chairs and tables back. I went to the coffee pots. I went and took them back to the kitchen. I emptied them. I cleaned them. I wiped them out. I shined them up really, really good. Took my time really making sure that the coffee pots were ready for the next meeting. That's where the secret is. It's in the bottom of the coffee pots. It's in your neighbor's flower bed pulling the weeds. It's in the eyes of somebody that you might hand five bucks to. You know, it's just helping other people, man, because we all need hope. We are all looking for hope and we all need it. Wow, that's so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that because yeah. the whole point of this podcast is to reach people who need hope. They need help, they need hope. And what I'm hoping to find is is a, is a Russ Ward out there with a gun to his head, another Ken Walls with a gun to his head. And maybe they'll hear this and maybe they will go pick some flowers. And maybe they will go and shine up the coffee pot, you know? So yeah. thanks again so much, Ken. I, I truly am grateful for for your time today. You know, like I said, you are, you are one of the people I admire most in this world and it is an honor and a privilege to have the opportunity to interview you today. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you. After 52 trips to Vegas, after selling millions in bootleg DVDs, being sued by the NFL, and owning a multi-six-figure digital marketing business, Russ Ward felt like talking. You've been listening to The Real Broadcasting around the world from Tampa, Florida. We hope you're entertained. We know we had fun, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with Russ on Facebook at RussWard1111. The website is RussWard.net. And find him on YouTube.
at russward.tv. Till next time, keep it real.